Distance Daddies. Welcome back to the ninth episode of Distance Daddies. On today's episode, we interview Cam Levins, a two-time Olympian, Bowerman Award winner, and most recently set the Canadian national record in the marathon at World Championships, placing fourth in 207.09. We discuss the race, his high mileage training, the changes he made after Tokyo failed to meet his expectations, and how he incorporated strength training in to stay healthy while running 180 mile weeks. We also talk about some news updates in the running world, like the Diamond League Monaco race, Carisha Schweizer's injury, and some coaching changes in the NCAA. If you haven't already, follow us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, and follow us on Instagram, at distance underscore daddies. And with that, let's get into it. today's episode, we have Cam Levins, who recently got fourth at Worlds in the marathon. How are you, Cam? Uh, I'm, I'm great. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm all recovered now. <laughs> yeah, great to hear. First off, congratulations on a great race. Thank you. Yeah, it's, uh, it's been super exciting. <laughs> yeah, so I guess to start, just tell us about how that race was and the experience. Sure. Yeah. Um, so these championship marathons are like a very, very different experience than most other ones you'd face in just because like you have 70 guys that can mostly run a similar, similar pace as long as it doesn't go out too crazy. Mm-hmm. So fight the battle early on to, you know, get to the bottle station and sort of even stay on your feet and stay out of trouble. Um, and fortunately the Olympics last year, were very similar as well so I felt um like I was pretty ready in that regards or at least I knew what I was getting into (laughs) coming around this year um so yeah I I felt like I was handling that really well we didn't go too aggressively for at least what I felt like I could handle um the pace is a bit erratic but that's kind of how these go (laughs) Um, but we're only about 64 at half a little over 64 minutes at half. And at that point, I'm like, well, I'm feeling good. I'm probably getting a PR out of this no matter what happens. Um, Were you going for a time or just kind of I mean, I, in terms of uh, placement? I was in there to, you know, place as high as I can. That's that's what these are for. I mean, I mean, ideally metal. And yeah, I was very, very close and still far from it uh, in, in another way. Um, but yeah, that's completely where my mind was. And um, yeah, crossing the line at the end, I was like, okay, that's what the time is. Great. <laughs> like, I'm super happy, but I you know, had no concept of what it was going to be. It was could not be farther from my mind at that point. Um, but yeah, we just like uh, entered the last lap and started kind of just rolling from there. Um, and I just sort of... As I looked around, there's less and less athletes around, and I just kept trying to cover move every move I could, um, except for, of course, Tamarat Tolos. Um, he made his move so strong and so fast that, I mean, 
I'm, I'm glad that I didn't respond to it, but I almost <laughs> didn't have um, the opportunity to do anything about it. It was just like crazy. Um, but yeah, once he broke away, I just sort of found out, I'm like, okay, there's only four of us left here. I got a shot at a medal. Um, <laughs> and that's pretty much all I was thinking for the rest of the race, like stay in here and take your shot. Uh, and, you know, I just fought to the very end and may have not, got, may have not gotten that medal, but, you know, very thrilled with the result. It's such a massive improvement from last year. I mean, I was, I think I was fifth to last in everyone that finished the marathon in uh, Sapporo last year. And obviously I was closer to the front of the race than I was to the back last time. So those yeah. Experiences. How was just the environment in Eugene and that type of course, just doing laps rather than a typical, just long course? Um, well, I, you know, I've kind of gotten used to some of these lap formats with, um, you know, the pandemic, because a lot of the races have sort of turned into that situation where I guess it's just easier for these big races to kind of create loops. Mm -hmm. um, without the mass participation I, you know, I imagine that's just more feasible for the races to put on um and so honestly there was um no concerns from that standpoint <laughs> it was kind of funny coming into the last lap of this thing and hearing a bell as if it was the last lap of the race <laughs> <laughs> i felt that was a little little rude to us but um yeah i mean i i honestly like races like this um the laps it's one of those things that helps split up the race even more I, I try and go in with the concept of like i'm running from bottle station to bottle station and that kind of really splits up the marathon um but yeah i mean this is just even another thing to focus on so it's helpful yeah uh i guess what made you going back switch to the marathon distance um well I did my first one in 2018 and I, I had some pretty major, well, yeah, some pretty decent surgery on my uh, left foot and ankle at the end, well, middle of 2016. And um, at that time, it was very difficult to handle tracks, basically. It was the, my left ankle um, and just like taking those turns was super tough for me. And so I was yeah. just from the standpoint of what I could do in training, it made sense uh, on that standpoint. And then also I was kind of just getting to an age where I'm like, I kind of always wanted to try one <laughs> uh, um, in 2018. That's kind of when I had always thought of planning it. Yeah. And so came together like that. And, um, you know, my first marathon, I ran 209.25 and broke the national record. And so it was like, I, it felt like I'd stepped into the right event for me, but, um, marathons can be, can be cruel. And, uh, <laughs> I, yeah. I've had really rough ones since then too. Um, it can, you know, it's a very difficult event to figure out. <laughs> yeah. Did you feel pretty confident going into this one that you would be in the position to contend for a medal or like, how did you feel, especially coming off of that Olympic performance? Um, well, the Olympic performance really put things in perspective for me. Um, I felt, I mean, I was training very, very hard going into the Olympics. There's no mm -hmm. question. Um, but I 
just was at such a entirely different level than the top athletes in the world. Like I just, I, I couldn't stand up to them in any regard. And, you know, I just got very reflective and thought, am I doing everything I can do to be the best athlete I can? And I'm like, I'm not, <laughs> you know, I'm not doing everything that I possibly can. Um, and so I really just went back to the drawing board and said, okay, what can I, like, let's look, let's break up every sort of thing that I'm doing and let's see how I, how I can do this the best that I have at any point in my career. Like, I just want to try and take on everything <laughs> in sort of the hardest and highest quality that I can and still, you know, stay healthy and handle. Um, the big main first thing being weightlifting. Um, and I think having started with that um, about probably about a year ago now, um, really contributed to uh, staying healthy for one and getting a lot stronger. And I think made so going into the other aspects that I wanted to change in training um, made it feasible and like possible for me to handle. Mm -hmm. So did you kind of feel like your like aerobic engine was in a great place, but like the muscular breakdown was wasn't or the muscular strength wasn't like where it needed to be to equate with that or why do you feel like the weightlifting made such a big difference um well the beginning thing with weightlifting was just trying to balance out my mechanics and mm -hmm. in general i mean i just had such a um imbalance from my left to right side uh and so just excuse me uh, straight off that uh was a major issue um but even once I got sort of through that initial stage, <laughs> just doing like the most basic weightlifting stuff, um, felt like it was just rocking me. <laughs> yeah. I was barely getting through. I was just lifting a couple times a week and barely making it through it for just a couple months. Uh, and it just felt like I was making no progress. And um, even though I was putting forth the huge, huge effort, but um after a couple months, suddenly I felt like I turned this corner and started doing really, really well. Um, and um, I mean, workouts themselves wouldn't start coming around in that like in that same way for um, not really until this year. Mm -hmm. um, but that at least put me in a good place of confidence. Um, and um, got to you know, um, well, I was getting, I should say confidence in a way that I didn't really have in any other part of my training at that point. I'm like, at least, even though I'm struggling other parts, at least I feel like I'm doing this well. Mm. And like, I, I know that I'll be a better athlete as long as I'm just doing this and not changing anything else. Even. Um, but as things progressed, I was able to sort of handle everything that I wanted to put in um, by that time I got to the world championships here. And there was really nothing else I felt like I could do when I got to the start line of the world championships. So I was like, I've, I've put in work in every aspect I can think of doing. And while I know that the quality will continue to improve, um, there's nothing that I felt that I lacked. Um, so that brings huge confidence going yeah, on. Yeah, for sure. Uh, 
feeling like, well, no matter how they run this race, like I, I think I can handle what happens. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. What was your um, oh, go ahead, Kyle. What was your weightlifting routine? Just was it kind of like you were isolating certain muscle groups, were you doing full body all the time, mixing it up throughout the week? Uh so what did it look like? Typically is twice a week. Um and I have other exercises that I do just every day through the week, too. Um, but those are mostly addressing the imbalance issues that I was talking about. Like that's sort of its own consistent battle. But the weightlifting itself um, usually goes through um, sort of four main concepts as we go through it. Like we'll start with some flexibility, mobility, um, then either do some single leg balance strength work. Um, or core in whichever order uh, finish off with like heavy weights, usually um, low reps, high weight. Um, and that can vary between things. Um, but like, that's sort of the basic idea of how it goes. Um, any upper body stuff that's done is usually just through like the work of trying to focus on single leg bounce stuff <laughs> so yeah. i do work with um kettlebells and so like uh lifting those around while doing other exercises i get quite a bit out of that and then plus kind of some uh rows and mobility like nothing specifically feels like it's being aimed at the upper body but it is worked on while i'm working on the lower body or at least it certainly feels that way it definitely is a full body workout so yeah and did that change how you structured like your running workouts too um did you have to decrease the amount of running workouts you were doing since you were adding in the weightlifting, or what did that look like um so on the days that i lift um well i guess i'll talk about how i structure my running a little bit first um so i typically do three days a week are triple running days so i run three mm -hmm. times um three days a week are double running days and one day a week is usually an easier single day single run day and that one is just there basically for recovery um i've i've sort of found that without it i after a few weeks i typically would just kind of have a crappy workout and kind of um Feel like i was just overexerted that by that point by just but by including this one single one i generally was able to avoid that um but the double workout days sorry sorry the double run days are the ones that i usually have weightlifting in i uh, generally will not do it during a triple day gotcha so i sort of have it as its own kind of session yeah when do you usually do um you, did you say you did? You usually do the running workout days on the double days. Um, yeah, it that depends. I like pairing the workouts with the weightlifting days if I yeah, can. Making the hard days uh, hard. Yeah, exactly. The hard days being hard, the easy days being a bit um, on the easier side. But yeah, it's not always how things work. That's certainly mm -hmm. the intent. Um, on I, I do do some double workout days so like a workout in the morning and in mm -hmm. the afternoon with running workouts and those ones I won't do a lift on the same day too because uh it just 
<laughs> doesn't fit in feasibly yeah. really like i go and lift after the second workout but it's just kind of later in the day and doesn't really fit into the schedule of where i go and lift i think mm. more than anything but generally i just do that the next day gotcha that makes sense how was how was your mileage build up just going up to worlds i mean i've heard that you do like 160 170 mile weeks uh so just, what did that uh, look like? I generally hang out in about 170 to 180 most weeks. That can vary a little bit. Um, I run on time. So um, like on the triple days, I typically do like 90 minutes, 80 minutes, 70 minutes. And so the mileage can vary a little bit depending on how fast, how slow I'm going. Um, and then some of the workout days, it's kind of just like, However big the workout is, that encompasses, you know, a larger amount of distance too. So it varies, but I would say generally, that's usually where I hang out. It's the 170 to 180. Um, and yeah, I sort of built up to that. I think I reached that for the first time beginning of March. And so I've been mostly in that range since then until Worlds um, with the odd lower week. Mm. So is your Garmin always like pissed off at you about not recovering <laughs> enough? <laughs> yeah, it is funny having it be like the like recover for 96 hours or whatever. We're <laughs> <laughs> starting around like uh, it's, it's like you're not fully recovered. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah, I know. Feel that way too, gotta do what you gotta do. Yeah. Um, was, was weightlifting, like, I know you mentioned there was a few things that you weren't doing enough of, um, that you kind of reflected on after the Olympics. Was there anything else besides weightlifting that, um, you care to speak about? Yeah. Um, so the mileage was something that I increased obviously significantly too. Mm -hmm. Um, I, uh, started doing more speed work. Um, I started, I did basically kind of a mini track season from sort of end of March to end of April. I just did a few track races and spent a lot of time training on the track, kind of doing 1500, 5k, 10k work. And the original intent of that was I was thinking, I'm like, well, maybe I'll try and qualify for the 10k for the world championships. And I'm like, and spend even more time working on kind of some under distance speed and I raced the Peyton Jordan 10k and I did pretty well like I hadn't raced a track 10k in about seven years and I went like 27 53 I think mm -hmm. I'm like okay that's a great start like if I find another 10k like maybe I'll be able to qualify and like get there and but as I looked after that I'm like well there's no other chances that was pretty much it <laughs> there's not many days around um so but then I was already qualified or already in a position sorry a strong position to be selected for the world championships with Canada with my marathon from the previous year and I was like well instead of continuing to chase this I'm like let's switch the focus to the marathon um and just like see what I can do with the changes we've made in training. Um, and that was one thing that I found made shifting into the half marathon and marathon paced workouts like 
considerably easier. <laughs> it was, uh, um, it felt great stepping into that sl slower pace. And um, I felt just like more efficient, felt like I could jump between paces more easily. And I found with doing consecutive marathon builds um, that I was having difficulty stepping out of the marathon pace training or just like the marathon pace itself. Like even trying to go down to half pace, I'm like, this doesn't even feel that good. Um, and uh, that was significant, especially, I mean, I'm jumping around a little bit, but the Olympics the previous year, one of the things I felt was exhausting me through the race was even just accelerating in and out of bottle stations with like the ton of people, mm -hmm. just that light shift in pace. And that's almost nothing really in the grand scheme of things. But I felt like that was tiring me out even. Um, uh, like I said, it just felt like I was unprepared for everything in that sort of race. Um, so yes, um, we spent a, a section with uh, shorter distance work. Um, let's see, we, yes, we started introducing the double workouts as well. Um, let me think. Are those double workouts like similarly paced? Like, are they both like marathon pace type workouts or does one tend to be uh, slower marathon and then one tend to be like more 5K type? Yeah, so the second workout's typically faster paced. Okay. Um, they generally won't go over 10K of like reps. Gotcha. Wow. Them. like sometimes uh they'll get up to 12k but that's only been occasionally it's, um but yeah the morning one well i mean it varies but i found that it's usually marathon or half marathon pace mm -hmm. the afternoon is either like if it was marathon obviously it sometimes it's half marathon or 10k pace yeah gotcha generally pretty different workouts um uh -huh. but uh yeah, I mean, that really felt like it was an easy opportunity to, like, during the marathon build, I was using the afternoon workout often to do some 10K work, even just doing, like, repeat 400s on the track. Mm -hmm. Well, kind of, like, still not wasting the more, I mean, not that doing a 10K workout is a waste by any means, but, like, you know, wasn't technically working towards the marathon in the way that the morning workout might be. Uh -huh. Still sort of touching on another system that is important. Yeah. When you're running at an elite level, like let's say for the Olympics or Worlds, um, I know you're trying to stay in contention just with place as you are for any race, but just with marathons being longer, are there certain points where someone will like make a move and start to pull ahead and you like kind of think to yourself like I still need to run my own race like maybe they'll come back or how does that kind of play into your mindset um well with this championship marathon um it felt pretty safe early on to just like let people do almost whatever they want to do and just try and conserve as much energy as you possibly can I mean like every move you cover is you know something that can potentially catch up to in the last 10k of the race where you need to be covering things and you've exhausted yourself um 
and so, I mean, I think it's really just like using the best sense you can to decide like who you think is worth covering, what moves you think are worth covering. Um, but also in the instance of the world championships, there were so many athletes around that you could kind of count on somebody else to cover that move. It's like nobody could really get away early on um, if the, at least someone in the pack felt that it was a threat. <laughs> um, yeah. And yeah, I mean, like I watched the front kind of at all times in the race. Um, and it seemed like anytime someone moved, some he was reeled right back in straight away. Um, uh, but that could really have changed depending on how the race went. You know, if it had gone out a lot faster, um, obviously there would have been way less athletes and it may have been more up to me to cover those moves. And the only move I didn't cover ultimately in the race was Tamara Tola. Yeah. <laughs> when he did like a low 240k and i'm glad that i didn't cover that but uh you know typically if you're looking to try and win one of these races or try and medal in one of these races i think like running your own race is important but like knowing what the leaders are doing and knowing what's going on at the front of the race is super important and yeah. like if you let them get away while you may still end up with a good time, it could still affect your chances of getting into that medal position, I think. Yeah, definitely. That makes sense. Then um, going forward, like you have obviously cut a lot off the uh, Canadian national record, um, placed really well in one of these world championship meets. What are your goals looking ahead? Um. Well, I'd like to continue dropping down that marathon time. I think with the way that race went and sort of the athletes I was sandwiched between, I think it's fair to say that um, probably even on that day, um, I could have went quite a bit faster in a different sort of paced race. Um, my more immediate goals, I think, are trying to kind of focus and replicate the journey that took me to this great performance in Eugene mm -hmm. more so than thinking about um, like for trying to perform my or like focusing on the next race or the next marathon I should say um, so you know I'd like to continue to try and drop down my like 5k 10k times um, half marathon times um, in preparation for the next marathon um, and sort of, yeah, make my focus on the journey and less about the destination. Yeah. Do you have any particular races that you have lined up that you'd like to do that in? <laughs> um, I would love to tell you, I'm just not able to yet. Um, oh. <laughs> <that's>, <laughs> I, uh, I have plans for the fall already. Yes. Um, so yeah, hopefully I can talk about it soon. <laughs> yeah. How has your training been? Do you mostly train alone? Do you have a group that you will do like workouts with or easy runs with? Or how does that look? Um, I'm on my own. Um, sometimes my wife will come out with me on the bike or um, 
oh, in the car. Sometimes it's been that too. Um, but no, it's mostly just me. Um, when I go into lift, there's a few other athletes that I know they're lifting sometimes at the same time, but like, uh, that's sort of the most interaction I'm having with other, uh, elite runners right now. Yeah. Was that um, a hard transition just going from college and like the Oregon project, having those other teammates with you to now training alone? Um, I would say initially, yeah, it was a lot, it was difficult to go sort of back into that um, solo training. I actually was training with um, Ryan Vale for a while because he oh. lived in the area with me. Um, but yeah, as of really since the beginning of the pandemic, our schedules really just split. You know, it was difficult to kind of line up with him anymore. So it's been kind of a couple of years of just going solo. Um, but it's been kind of good for marathon training. Oh, excuse me. <coughs> um, it's been, yeah, pretty good for marathon training, I think. Uh, like, it's easy not to overexert yourself. And yeah. When you're trying to hit your marathon or even half marathon pace stuff, it's really important to feel that you're running a pace that's, like, comfortable and that you know you're able to sustain. Because it's, like, really easy to force yourself to get down into a pace range um, and like hit those times and say to yourself like, oh, you know, I'm I'm in pace to be able to like run this for an entire marathon sort of in a, in a way trick yourself, <laughs> uh, especially when you're with other athletes, because obviously you can be chasing them or getting competitive with them in practice. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I found it sort of, I think, easier to find that range for myself and um know when I'm coming out of workouts, like, yeah, that was the right feel and that is the right pace for me right now. Definitely. And then we have our daddy duos, which is basically our like Mount Rushmore. Uh, okay. With our guests. So instead of four, we just do two picks. Um, and today we're going to do the best workouts. So we'll start with you, go to Eric, then me, and then snake back. Okay. Um, so am I selecting the athlete that I've seen the best do the best workout or um, my own best workout, or what are we talking about here? Your Just, favorite workout. It's yeah. very broad. <laughs> okay. Like your bread and butter. Okay. Cool. All right. So yeah. So you ahead. go first. Okay, me go. Okay, I'll go first. Yeah. Um, my favorite workout I did, did this build was three by five k at half marathon pace uh, with three minutes rest, and um, mostly because I just found myself getting into like I felt like really good half marathon shape, <laughs> and so it was fun <laughs> that pace range. Um, so yeah, it's not not super interesting, but uh, it was fun. Yeah, yeah, sounds like a good one. Um, what will I go with? I'll do um, twenty by four hundred with uh, one minute rest. Um, I did that one recently for my five k training and had a lot of fun with it. So it was a nice change of pace from from the marathon, like we were talking about before. Um, so yeah, 
20 by 400 at 5k pace, I should have mentioned. Great. Um, mine, I would say, I usually like, uh, I'll do a run at like 10k to half marathon pace, and then afterwards go straight into six by 400 at around mile pace. And I think that was just really good to work my aerobic system and then just kind of get that extra anaerobic like neuromuscular training at the end uh, and i think it just had like huge improvements uh just doing that like once a week um and then for my second one uh and my build up to my last half uh did alternating 800s during a long run workout uh at goal pace and then um like i think a minute added to a uh, marathon pace uh so i think just that constant switching back and forth uh was really beneficial for the, the long run all right for my next one i'll do um for my long runs, for my marathon training, I'll do alternating miles, so one mile at marathon pace, and then um, I'll mess around with the other one. I'll either do like a mile a minute slower than marathon pace, or sometimes we'll do um, 800 at 10K pace, 800 easy, something like that. It just depends. So just alternating marathon pace with different things during long runs. And then you're up with your last one. Well, I'll talk about a long run then too. I'll uh, get on board with that. Um, one that we did quite a bit during this build, um, it sort of felt like a more chill one, but it was, well, we'll see. Uh, it was 40K, um, and the first, let's see, the first 5K of it was warm up. Uh, so you could just run it whatever you wanted. And then it was 5K at about, I'm going to talk about this in kilometers, maybe. Let me see. <laughs> uh, it's a 340 kilometer pace, usually we'd start out at. Uh, but basically, it was just a progression um, every like 10K to finish, um, with the 10K at the end being kind of like marathon pace or half or faster. Um, and I really, really enjoyed that. It was like, um, forcing you to be into that marathon range or that marathon pace when you're most tired just from being on your legs for that long was mm -hmm. good practice without yeah. just like exhausting yourself from marathon the whole time. Yeah. yeah for sure do you do much um one last question like do you go like to 30-ish miles for your long run for your marathon training or do you go stick under 26 um, the highest I usually go is 25 miles, Okay, uh, like a constant run. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think, I, I feel like it's because like the extra jump in the top of it, like you're not necessarily, or we don't at least feel that like you're necessarily gaining a lot more for the marathon. Yeah. Potentially you're affecting your recovery for your next workout by like mm -hmm. making it um but i don't know we have at some points but definitely not this build 
All right. Well, I think that's that's all we have. Um, <laughs> thanks for coming on and letting us nerd out on some of these training questions. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Thanks for having yeah. me on. All right, we hope you enjoyed that interview with Cam Levins. We really enjoyed talking to him about his experience at World Championships coming in fourth place and his training and how strength training has made a big effect on his ability to perform well in these marathons. So start doing strength training if you're a runner. We're now going to shift gears and talk about today's um, today being August 10th, Monaco Diamond League race, and a few other things that have been in the news recently with running. So we'll start by talking about the Diamond League race. There was a pretty good amount of, of pretty big performances today. Um, Faith Kipigan ran a huge race, almost broke the world record. Um, number two all-time mark of 350. Do you have any, any thoughts on that race or the race in general? Um, Heather McLean also had a really big race in, in that 1500, being the, the eighth U.S. women all-time um, and being just the ninth women ever to have broken two in the 800 and four in the 1500. Uh, yeah, I mean, I thought Kipigans was a great time and race. Uh, I mean... She's obviously really good and having a great season, um, so I'm not super surprised that she did so well. But I was happy uh, that Elise Cranny did pretty well, too, with the 359. Um, so I think she was a little disappointed just with how Worlds ended up going for her. Um, but ultimately, I think good race. And you know, like you said, McLean being up there in second uh, was really nice to see. Yeah, the other um, kind of big news of the day was Grant Fisher breaking the American record in the 3K with a 7.28. Um, it was good to kind of see him re- rebound from that tough finish at Worlds and and have this big race. Yeah, definitely. I think he did really well at Worlds, just kind of got unlucky, uh, especially, and I think it was the 5K when... Got tripped up a little bit, so lost his momentum, so he might have meddled there. Um, but I think this was a good way for him to just show how much his fitness is up and just right after Worlds and, like, that peak. How do you feel about him running an American record in a great race but still only be good enough to get third? I think that's just, I guess... Distance running in general, it's hard to transcend past those uh, East Africans. Um, but I think little by little, we're knocking, chipping away, I guess, at that um, and slowly catching up with them. I mean, he was only three seconds behind the leader, so it wasn't a huge discrepancy. Uh, so I think Worlds really showed just how much Americans are improving, especially in the marathon, where I feel like that event was has been solely dominated by uh, the East Africans for a while. And to have, especially on the women's side, have so many three in the top ten. Um, and just seeing how we're doing in that distance and Grant just getting so close up there for both of his events in the 5K and 10K. Yeah, I really feel like he's having 
one of the quote unquote best campaigns like just for like a long distance runner um yeah obviously him that meddling at worlds was like a big blunder but i mean he's really putting together a very memorable season for sure yeah, yeah. i mean you could say that rup has had a better career just in terms of like meddling but i think that that comes with an asterisk just with everything that went on there so i definitely am rooting for grant and think that his just progression and career is looking really strong yeah i think it kind of shows his range going from um like probably the more strength-based 5k 10k training and being able to come down and run a strong 3k just um about a month after is is pretty cool you also um, see the women's steeplechase yeah I, I saw the results um glad emma was can kind of able to bounce back um and be there uh courtney wayman had a really strong race too i'm not sure what happened with courtney freaks um who was like 30 seconds off off of the winning time yeah i think maybe she had just peaked for worlds and just maybe isn't as motivated anymore maybe is battling minor injury or something uh, so we'll have to wait and see on that but yeah that was surprising i'm surprised courtney wayman's honestly still running at this point i think they <laughs> that's true better that's true. better take a little break but i mean i guess go for it if you got it <laughs> yeah fair uh how did you feel about Grant Holloway, Brandon? Um, I mean, obviously it was a little disappointing because he, you know, coming off a world's championship, it was, you know, still a pretty good field for the most part. Um, definitely one he was favorited for. And he had a good start. He was ahead of everybody. And then he just kind of died, like, um, towards that, you know, final two stages. So, you know, it was kind of just interesting to see honestly you know nobody was really expecting it i wish devin allen had been in that race but <laughs> looks like he's at training camp gotta go yeah. catch him gotta go get some touchdowns for the eagles so yeah. preseason coming blame up. Him. um all right anything else about this race no cool the other news um carissa schweitzer saying that her season is done due to a soleus tear um she got some prp injections into that muscle um so yeah it'll be interesting to see how she rebounds from that um especially with the prior achilles surgeries that she's had um i think that's probably ultimately what's what's causes what caused this is that that surgery shortened the the musculotendon unit basically and probably puts her at a little higher risk of um of not fully healing from this and maybe re-injury so the prp injections um from from what I've seen, uh, they are not as effective as the the platelet poor plasma in terms of muscle tears. So I'm curious as to as to why she went with PRP versus PPP. Obviously, something I'll probably never know, but 
Um, ultimately, I'm curious to see how she r responds from this and if she's able to get back to her, her prior form because she was obviously in really good shape last month. Yeah, it was tough to see her drop out of that race and seemed pretty emotional for her. Um, but obviously we knew something was up and it ended up being the soliest tear, which makes me wonder if there were any kind of minor issues beforehand that maybe she shrugged off to just run in this final race. Um, and that led to it, or it was just kind of a freak tear uh, just going so hard in a big race like that. But I agree about the PRP treatment from the research I've seen. It seems like a trendy holistic therapy that maybe doesn't have as much uh, scientific, I guess, background or data supporting it versus some other um, therapies or interventions. Um, so we'll see how that does for her. Um, and maybe there just needs to be more research on it, but from the research that I've seen, it still hasn't proven to be completely effective. Well, yeah, I know, uh, Sam Parsons got that last year with the shot. Uh, last time he had a mile, July 9th. He went 355. So, I mean, still running pretty solid for the most part. So, I mean, her saying she'll be back next year, obviously she'll probably take that time to make sure she recovers correctly as well. So, definitely hope the best for her because I love watching her run. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think ultimately she'll be fine. It's just, yeah. And she come back to the level she was at where I think if she hadn't torn that muscle, um, during the race, she probably would have been right there for a medal. Um, so yeah, we'll see what happens there. And then um, a few other quick things. Rupp announced, or I guess the New York City Marathon announced that Rupp's going to be racing in it um, with a few other big names. I'm curious to see how Scott Fobble um runs in that also coming off of his strong showing at boston and then just continuing to train with joe bossard um there will be a, a few other big names abdi um is, is going to be in it um any thoughts on that i'm surprised i guess reps doing that just after the world's marathon uh he was in so much pain from the herniated disc and pinching nerve that uh, I think it was quite the struggle to even finish, let alone want to jump into another major marathon. Um, so I'm not sure if he's having some sort of, I would assume he's not having surgery or anything because then he wouldn't be able to recover and get back in shape uh, for that. But maybe he just has some way of managing it better that he wants to be able to do it. Uh, or it's financially based. I'm not sure. Yeah, he's just nonstop inversion table. Um, <laughs> just hopping off the it up inversion the table right onto the start. Swing back. <laughs> um, yeah, and then the 
the the young boys, Lex and Leo Young, um, committed to Stanford. I thought this was a little curious, um, considering their their coach is now an assistant coach at UCLA, but obviously Stanford is a stronger program. Um, so yeah, what what do you think about that? Uh, I don't knock them for that decision whatsoever. I agree. I think Stanford's a stronger program. You have uh, like Charles Hicks, Cole Sprout, Kai Robinson, um, especially those latter two are young and doing so well. I mean, they were running at um, USA's uh, and Kai was at Worlds. Um, so I think just having that depth uh, and a strong like young team and so much like success recently that I would definitely go with them rather than just follow their coach. Um, maybe they think they've peaked <laughs> with him. Um, I'm interested to see if adding them is going to make them more of like championship contenders uh, just because Sanford is usually in there in aspects of you know NCAAs and everything. But they're not usually the ones like competing for the title, uh, for the most part. So, be interesting to see if they can just add those two and make them a title contender right off the back. If they redshirt them and wait for you know more firepower to come in, you know, like what's going to happen next for Stanford at this point? Yeah. Who wins? Yeah, I mean, you versus Stanford. I feel like at this point, Stanford probably wins, but um, we'll see what happens. Because, I mean, you have uh, Nur leaving NAU, but you also have Nico there and Colin Salmon coming in, who are both really strong runners. So I'll be curious to see how that goes. But I don't think they'll race. Uh, I guess Stanford's still, yeah, Stanford's Pac-12, so they probably won't race till what, Nationals? Yeah, I don't remember if they're in the same region or not. I don't think they are. But yeah. Um, so some other news was, I mean, this was last week, but Shalane Flanagan was made the assistant head coach at Oregon under Schumacher. So Hannah Lehman Winters was pushed out um, from there. So I'll be... Curious to see if they push Ben Thomas out too. Absolutely. <laughs> Why are you laughing? <laughs> so sorry. I'm looking on on Let's Run. I was pulling up an article about it, and instead I, I saw an article about <laughs> this 400 meter runner that came in and laughed after his penis fell out of his shorts. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, um, I, I feel like, um, that, that's very interesting. The whole, we never really talked about it, but the, um, Schumacher taking over at Oregon is, is very interesting in general. Um, we kind of touch on this in, in the podcast that'll be released next week. Um, with Steve Magnus, but 
just about how it kind of changes the dynamics when you're choosing a college when you could potentially be coached by the same coach professionally um so i think it just adds another layer to to the recruitment process and all of that um as well as i don't know when now when people might be choosing to go to to coach with Bowerman, um, are they potentially worried about getting getting less attention than they might elsewhere? Um, I feel like Eugene is a little less appealing of a training venue than Portland was, just personally. I mean, it's it's but it's, it's a smaller city, harder to get to, um, all of that stuff. So I feel like I personally would be less inclined to be a Bowerman athlete now than I would have been two months ago. But, uh, yeah, we'll see how it all plays out. Yeah, do Cooper and Cole train under Schumacher? Um, I don't think so. Did they announce who's taking over Oregon Track Club? Not that I've seen, but I may have missed it if it was something recently. I think Schumacher's getting that bag, though. <laughs> I think they announced yeah, what you over the is? five or six years he was getting $3.4 million, uh, which just seemed like ridiculous for a track uh, coach. But maybe that's where things will trend someday but i think that's also just because phil knight's just bankrolling oregon and nike in general uh so he probably just wants oregon to become that powerhouse again so he's going all in but he's still alive yeah i mean i'd like to see i think ben thomas take over oregon track club i don't know if he'd have any interest in that but then just bring on um Cooper and um, God, I can't remember his name. Cole. Cole, thank you. <laughs> I kept thinking of Connor Salmon. Um, Cooper and Cole um, as kind of their their main two guys, but uh, yeah, we'll we'll see what happens. I'm surprised they haven't hired somebody yet as the coach. Yeah. We'll see. <laughs> I fucking pulled up Let's Run. <laughs> and, like, first thing is 80-year-old banned from YMC pool for life for telling a person with a penis to get out of the women's showers. <laughs> oh, gosh. So we can Let's Run. All right. And make sure you are join our Java, Strava, Strava group, Distance Daddies. Um, for the last three weeks, we have had two-time Distance Daddy champ, Miss Stephanie McNabb, win it for the last three weeks as well. Uh, so congrats to her. Her mileage for the last three weeks have been 85.22 miles, 93 miles, and 101. Um, yeah, nobody was close. So <laughs> congrats to her. She is now five-time champ. That correct yeah it's kind of all right it's kind of yeah, hard to it's, knock her off honestly. it's gonna be hard to knock her off for sure uh that's why we need more people to join the distance daddy strava group and yeah. try to compete <laughs> get camp levens to join so he can knock 
her off with those 170 mile weeks but otherwise i don't know too many people that are doing over 100 yeah going that high for sure yeah we might have to make like a an award for the second place also like a a distance (laughs) baby or we just add everybody else's mileage together and see if it beats stephanie's yeah that'd be it that'd be the goal um but yeah that's it for this week um fast women had a really nice write-up on our previous guest eleanor fulton eleanor fulton uh, i didn't see that it was a really good article so give that a a read um and yeah like subscribe comment uh come race us at all of our races and start beef with us and yeah <laughs> <laughs> You're just asking for it.